0: Take your Bible, if you would, please. Make your way once again back to the epistle of 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 1 will be our starting place. Um, If you want to put something in your Bible at Proverbs chapter number 1, we will be there. And also in 1 Corinthians chapter number 2, 2 Peter chapter number 1, and then, of course, Proverbs chapter 1 and in 1 Corinthians chapter number 2. I'm continuing today a message in a series that I have entitled The Cycle of Spiritual Growth. Spiritual growth is a desire and a truth that I have as a pastor for Plantation Baptist Church in the year of 2022. We have come through much in the year of 2020. 2021 was a year of Um, building projects and things as you are well aware of. We've reached a moment here, I think, of, of peace and settledness where I wanted there to be a wonderful concentration on our lives corporately to grow spiritually in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In order for us to grow corporately, we must grow as individuals. And so we have been taking our time and we'll be taking the next five weeks to look at the cycle of spiritual growth. I've asked you before and I will ask you again and continue to ask you, I hope and pray that you feel that you are on a path of spiritual growth. It's one thing to feel this way, it's another thing to have actual evidence that you, as a believer, are growing spiritually in the Lord. Peter saw this as a necessity for the people of God, as we live and operate in this world. Uh, in First Peter, it was a dangerous world full of persecution and unrest, and Peter gave the admonition for the church to grow. In Second Peter, it is a world full of false prophets and false teaching and heresies. And amidst that, Peter's admonition to the church was to grow. Our theme verse is found in the third chapter of 2 Peter. And I know I have you at chapter 1, but it's just a couple of pages. If you would please turn over there, the final admonition there is, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Many folks I find have a desire to grow spiritually, save people. I usually get asked the same question, where would I begin? I have this desire to grow. I want to grow. I'm just not sure that I know how to spiritually grow. Of course, there are some foundational things you do, i.e. coming to church, reading your Bible, getting involved, serving the Lord, fellowshipping with other believers, um, doing, uh, doing the things that God has called us to do, but there is a depth to spiritual growth that I do believe that Peter has outlined for us in a process, things that we can understand in a practical way to do and respond and add so that we can grow spiritually. You find them in verse number 5 of Second Peter chapter number 1. They go through verses 5, 6, and 7. There are seven of them. And Peter says, and beside this, giving all diligence, this means all concentration, add to your faith virtue. To virtue, knowledge. Knowledge, temperance. To temperance, patience to patience, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. Peter added this statement of fact, which I think is a, a wonderful reality for us to just assess today. For if these things be in you and abound, which means you're practicing them, they make you that ye shall neither be Barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That word barren is the word useless. I don't know anything more annoying than someone or something that is useless. Peter said, that the absence of the addition of these things to our spiritual life makes us that we are useless and unfruitful. If I was to be honest with you as a pastor and tell you about the conversations that I have with Christian people, I would say many Christian people feel in themselves that they are useless or unfruitful In the kingdom of God. They say things like, I'm a nobody. God could never use me. I'm not good at anything. There's no place for me. Unfruitful means that they never feel valued. They never feel like they're helping the team. They never feel part. They never feel like the spotlight should find them or that they are a major player. They're blessed for being here. They're blessed in being a part. But if you were to search their soul, they feel useless and unfruitful in the kingdom of God. I would submit to you that the reason that you feel useless and unfruitful is because you're not spiritually growing. Because the natural evidence or consequence or effect of growth is fruit. As a plant grows, it produces fruit. Many of God's people have come to a place where spiritual growth has been so dissatisfying to them. Such failure has happened in this race for growth. That they just feel like they've come as far as they can go. Many times we can get there honestly, or sometimes we get there dishonestly as we just feel we know the Bible, we know all the stories of the Bible, therefore we're good. Let me just put a little caveat here. If you are somebody who thinks you know all the stories of the Bible, therefore you know the whole Bible, you don't know anything. Nothing. There there is no more dishonest statement than to say, I know everything about that story. I would say this. Many of God's people get frustrated because they read the Bible and they never get anything new out of the Bible. That's on you. That's your fault. If you can sit down and read the passage of Scripture and read the stories of the Bible and walk away thinking, I knew all of that, you didn't read it right. This is the ever living, inexhaustible Word of God. How dare anyone think that they've reached the epitome of understanding? So I want to say this to you as your pastor because, watch this if you're visiting, you love me and I love you. Let's all group hug. If you read the same passage and you get up and you got nothing out of it, that's your fault. You're not reading it properly. So we've come to a place in our, in Christianity where some individuals and some people think that they can there's no longer any room for spiritual growth. They know everything. I would submit to you you're the one that needs to get on the cycle of spiritual growth and begin to add to your faith. This word add is important. It carries with it the idea of you doing your part. This is your responsibility, believer. This is your responsibility, Christian man, Christian woman. This is our responsibility as children of the living God to practice and to exercise these things into our lives so that we know usefulness and fruitfulness. Two things you need to know. We do not do these things to be saved, we do these things because we are saved. Nobody gets to heaven because of the things that we do. The Bible's not teaching you to add this to your life, therefore, somehow, you will merit God's favor. The only one that ever merited God's favor was his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. The rest of us have favor because he's a good God, and he's gracious, and he's kind. We don't do these things to be saved, we're able to do these things because we are saved. Because the Holy Spirit of God has indwelt us. Because we've been created new unto good works. Now we have saving faith. We have the faith of the Lord Jesus in us. And now we add to our faith. Which means the Holy Spirit enables us. He guides us. He helps us. He's the reason we can. But we have to want it. You and I as believers must desire and want to spiritually grow. And the responsibility is on us to make this part of our lives. Peter said, you, Tom, you, sir, you add to your faith. Most of us, if we're not careful and lacking this, this is why we feel useless and unfruitful in the kingdom of God. Last week we looked at the word virtue, verse number five. Moral excellence. After we've been saved, we've been created new. The nature of God now is in us through His Holy Spirit. And really and truthfully, in our redemption, the first thing that really is acknowledged is our morality. It's we're totally now made new in Christ. We have that old nature in us, but we have the new nature of God with the Holy Spirit's power that does not let that old man rule and reign over us. And we begin to see the newness of Christ. And the first thing that changes is our morality, our moral behavior. What we used to be sinfully, we no longer are. We've been washed by the blood of Jesus. If that's you, say amen. Morality begins in your mind. You meditate what is morality in your mind. That's why the Bible said we think about those things that are virtuous. How does something get in your mind? Through your eyeballs. We talked about that. The eye is the light of the body. If the eye takes in darkness, the whole body will be dark. If the eye takes in light, then the whole body will be light. So as I am adding to my faith and I am growing in this area of morality, moral excellence... I, my eyes now are taking in the word of God. My eyes now are taking in holy things. As it comes into my mind, my mind is meditating that toward the nature of God and toward the reality of his work in me. And then as I meditate in the mind, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he that affects as it gets into my heart, my behavior saved people are not immoral. Amen. Two, verse number five. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue, say that word, please. Knowledge. Circle it, if you would. Six times in the book of Peter, knowledge is used. Peter said, after your mind is right... Your morality is growing. You need to add to yourself, your your faith, knowledge. The word knowledge here is the word spiritual truth. It is our responsibility as believers to acknowledge spiritual truth, to accept spiritual truth, and to add spiritual truth to our lives. This is a truth That comes as the consequence of of activity, inquiry, investigation, a seeking to know. This is truth that is acquired by effort and experience. I want to tell you something. Growing spiritually is hard work. I love the example that Peter gives about adding knowledge and adding spiritual truth being hard work. Would you flip? You don't, you might even even have to flip your page. Go to First Peter chapter number 3 if you would please. I would like to give this illustration for all of the men in here. All of the married men. May I see the hand of all the married men. You will never forget what I am about to say. All of the married ladies in the room, I would ask you at this moment to take both of your pointer fingers and don't raise them, but put them in your ears. 1 Peter 3, verse 7, please. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them, that's your wife, according to, what class? Knowledge. Knowledge. Now, the Bible tells the husband that when it comes to your relationship with your wife, you're the one that should be making the adjustments. You are the adjustee. You are the adjust, the one that has to change. Never does it tell the wife to dwell with her husband. Ladies, your fingers are still in your ears. Never does it tell the wife that she has to adjust to the man It says that the man is to learn his wife and make adjustments. So men, that means you learn what she likes, what she doesn't like, and you adjust. You will learn, you learn her mood and her moods and her moods and her moods and and you adjust. I told you hard work, baby. Amen. Okay, ladies, unplug your... We, we were talking so nice about you. You'll, you'll enjoy the rest of the message. This is this is spiritual truth that has been sought after, investigated. It takes effort, and it takes experience. Now, let's be sure we're talking about and understanding what truth we're looking at. Look again at verse number 18 before we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and savior, Jesus Christ. So this spiritual truth that he's wanting us to add to our faith is a spiritual knowledge of our Lord acquired by effort and experience. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 14. You will see the difference in this knowledge between saved people and unsaved people. And 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 14, the Bible says, But the natural man, in the King James Version, that would be the unsaved person, but the unsaved person receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are, say those two words, spiritually discerned. So we're talking about a knowledge different from the world's knowledge. We're talking about knowledge that is spiritually discerned as the Holy Spirit of God has moved inside of me through the Word of God of our Lord Jesus Christ. So this is not the wisdom of the world here. Matter of fact, let's look at that. You're in 1 Corinthians. Go to chapter 3. Look at verse number 18. There's some clear and wonderful direction here in this verse. Let no man deceive himself. I love it when the Bible says that. Let no man deceive himself. This isn't somebody pulling the wool over your eyes. This is you deceiving your own self or me deceiving myself. If any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become a what class? A fool that he may be wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, he taketh the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise, that they are vain. Therefore, let no man glory in men, for all things are yours. So there's the world has knowledge, and, and the Lord Jesus has knowledge. And those knowledges are not the same. As an unsaved person, I related to the world's knowledge. The world told me I could eat whenever I want to eat. I can sleep whenever I want to sleep. I can drink whenever I want to drink. I can do whatever I want to do whenever I wanted to do it, as long as I was happy. The world taught me that there's very little consequence. I'm my own man. I can, do, I can be my own God. I'm getting better. I need to live for today. Gain all I can get. It had wisdom. The problem is the world's wisdom is not God's wisdom. We understand that, right? So let me ask you a question. You're saved. Why in the world is the church of Jesus Christ today adding the world's knowledge more than we're adding the knowledge of Christ in our lives? Let me just give you two very clear examples. God created all life. God creates life today. Humanly, where does God create life? Where? In the womb. So when man goes into the womb to murder Li- or, or to to extinguish life that God has created. That's the murder of God created life. Therefore, the world's knowledge says it's my body. I can do what I want. Used to say it's not even a baby; it's just a fetus. All these things, they can give reason and rationale why that has the right to be extinguished. But the Bible says that God created all life, life is precious, and life is not to be shed. So why are so many church people think abortion is okay? We're, no, no wonder we've become useless and unfruitful. And I don't mean Plantation Baptist Church, we're perfect. From the top down. I'm just kidding. So, so when God created man, he made them male and female. Right? But, but we've got Christian people adding the wisdom of the world. No wonder we're useless and unfruitful. Okay, so you, you, you had the responsibility to acknowledge, accept, and apply the knowledge of God in every area of your life. Go with me, please, to the book of Proverbs. Keep your hand in second, Peter. I'm coming back. Proverbs chapter number one, I don't often bring my phone into the pulpit, but I'm going to need my phone in just a moment. I used my phone in the first service, and I have about, I don't know, 41 scriptures here that I was going to read, started reading them and text, started coming on my phone like crazy, and I'm like, shut up, shut up, I'm trying to read the word of God, you know, it was, now I know why I don't preach with my phone. Proverbs chapter one, are you there? The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. In my Bible, verse 2, 3, and 4. I have a little parentheses outside of 2, 3, and 4. And I have this word, purpose statement. This is the purpose statement of the book of Proverbs. Why Solomon wrote the book of Proverbs. To know wisdom and instruction. To perceive the words of understanding. To receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment and judgment and equity boy there's four words the world could sure use a definition of to give subtlety to the simple to the young man what class knowledge now highlight that or underline that or circle that the purpose of the book of proverbs that solomon wrote was to give to the young man or the young woman knowledge, whose knowledge? I'll show you in a moment. Knowledge that would sustain them their whole life so that as they are older in life, they will apply that knowledge. And as they apply that knowledge, there will be a a trajectory of spiritual growth. 41 times knowledge is mentioned in the book of Proverbs. Just listen. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. How long, ye simple ones, will ye love simplicity, and the scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge? For they that hated knowledge did not choose the fear of the Lord. Yea, if thou criest after now knowledge, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord, and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord giveth wisdom, out of his mouth cometh knowledge. When wisdom entereth into thine heart, and knowledge is pleasant unto thy soul. By his knowledge the depths are broken up, and the clouds drop down the dew. They are all plain to him that understandeth, and write to them that find knowledge, Receive my instruction and not silver and knowledge rather than choice gold. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence and find out knowledge of witty inventions. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Wise men lay up knowledge. A hypocrite with his mouth destroyeth his neighbor but through knowledge shall he be delivered. Whoso loveth instruction loveth knowledge. A prudent man concealeth knowledge. Every prudent man dealeth with knowledge. Uh, Go from the presence of a foolish man, when thou perceivest not in him the lips of knowledge. The simple inherit folly, but the prudent are crowned with knowledge. The tongue of the wise useth knowledge. The lips of the wise disperse knowledge. The heart of him that hath understanding seeketh knowledge. He that hath knowledge spareth his words. The uh, uh, The soul that be without knowledge, it is not good. Smite a scorner, and the simple be, will beware. Reprove one that hath understanding, and he will understand knowledge. Cease, my son, to hear the instruction that causeth to err from the words of knowledge. There is gold and a multitude of rubies, but the lips of knowledge are a precious jewel. When the scorner is punished, the simple is made wise. When the wise is instructed, he receiveth knowledge. The eyes of the Lord preserve knowledge. Bow down thine ear and hear the words of the wise, and apply thy heart unto knowledge. Have that I. Written to thee excellent things in counsel and knowledge. Apply thine heart unto knowledge. By knowledge shall the chambers be filled with all precious and pleasant riches. A wise man is strong. Yea, a man of knowledge receiveth strength. So shall the knowledge of wisdom be unto thy soul. I neither learn wisdom nor have the knowledge of the holy. Knowledge, 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 knowledge. It's all throughout the Bible. And we add very. I need a break <laughs> something so precious more precious than of gold and yet God's people today are adding gold, silver stocks, bonds funds, retirements wealth we should add to our lives the eternal word of God. Come back to 2 Peter chapter 3 and I'll close. (sighs) Let me show you some beautiful things that will happen in your life when you add knowledge. Verse number 1 of chapter 1. Simon, Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that obtain the precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the, say it, class, knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Believer, as you add the knowledge of God into your faith, as you add the knowledge of the Lord, as you add the knowledge, the spiritual truth of the Word of God, grace and peace are multiplied in your life. You go from feeling useless and unfruitful to reckoning the beautiful grace of God that saved you, the grace of God that keeps you, the grace of God that sustains you, the grace of God that is sufficient for you, you learn how to live in light of God's wonderful grace. And as you apply the knowledge of God into every situation of your life, you find that peace begins to develop in you. Your feet have some place to go. Your fears have some place to be extinguished. Hope has a banner to wave as we apply the knowledge of God into our lives. Grace and peace multiply to us. Look, if you would, at verse number 3. According as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto, please say those three words, life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue. As I add to my faith the knowledge of God, This knowledge is sufficient for all things that pertain unto life. That means that there's not anything in my life that I don't address, that the Bible doesn't have something to say about it, that the Bible doesn't give direction, that the Bible doesn't give hope. And as I come into situations, I'm thinking, what does the Bible say? What does Jesus say about this? Where is the knowledge? How am I to respond? I acknowledge it, I accept it, and I apply it in every area of my life. People say to me, Pastor, I just don't know what to do with my life. Start adding knowledge to your life and you will find that you will find the details that how to pertain to your life. And not only your life, to godliness. Godliness is something that ought to be the character of our lives as we reflect the Lord. How beautiful it is to know. Why I, when I, I'm listening to myself preaching, and I'm thinking, why would we not add something that pertains to every area of our life? All the promises that if I acknowledge the Lord, he will direct my path. If I commit unto the Lord, he will guide my ways. That he will never leave me nor forsake me. I'm telling you, no wonder we feel useless and unfruitful when it comes to life and godliness. We're not adding the knowledge. By the way, adding doesn't just mean in our brain. It means working out in our lives. That's our responsibility. I wish I had time to take you to chapter 2. And chapter number two is a massive, strong chapter. And there's a, a truth in here about knowledge that when you understand the background of where it is, it will floor you. Let me just give you a little glimpse of it because I, I wanted to read every verse, but I'm, I'm out of gas. Verse number one. But there were false prophets. So Peter's having to address false prophets that have snuck into the church. He gives you a description of them in verse number 14. Please read verse 14. They came into this church having eyes full of adultery that cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls. A heart they have exercised with covetous practices. Cursed children. In verse 17, Peter said, There are wells without water. Clouds that are carried with a tempest. To whom the mist of darkness is reserved. How long, class? Forever. Forever. Verse 18, 19, and 20 will make your spine shiver. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lust of the flesh. Through much wantonness, those that were clean escaped from them who live in air, which means they're going after the saved people with all their immorality, trying to get them to come that direction. Verse 19 While they promise them liberty, what a statement that Satan will do. He'll tell you, go his way and you'll be free. Let me tell you something. You want to be free in your mind, your soul, and your body? You come to Jesus. He's the one that will set you free. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption, which means their preaching ain't working on themselves. For of whom a man is overcome of the same, he's brought into bondage. Now watch verse 20. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world, through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome, the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness Then after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it has happened unto them according to the true proverb. The dog is turned to his own vomit again. And the sow, that's a pig, that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. Peter said to the church, You've got some people that have come in there and they're false prophets. Oh, they speak swelling words and they look good, but on the inside they cannot cease from their sin. Let me just say this for a second. That's the evidence of unbelief. That doesn't mean that when I get saved I'm, sinless, I'm sinlessly perfect, but they couldn't stop their adultery. They, they couldn't stop their adultery. They couldn't stop their wickedness. They had tried for a little while. They made, they made a profession of faith, but it wasn't a real profession. Somehow they had the knowledge of the Lord in preaching, and they had escaped the pollutions of the world, which in layman's terms mean They tried to be a very, very good Christian. They just weren't a Christian. Nobody is more miserable than the person who tries to be a Christian, but they've never become a Christian by being saved. And so they were trying to suppress their lust and their flesh, and they were trying to do everything they could because they had heard about some knowledge about a judging God. A God that had power, a God that could see their sin, a God that had anger. They had been brought into the holiness and the justice of God. And they had some head knowledge, but they never let it get in their heart. And so for a little while, that knowledge, they could escape the pollution of the world. But they weren't really believers. They were just trying to contain themselves. A lot of people like this. And then Peter said, but their game of time... When they could no longer walk that and so they just gave up and he said to them, really, it would have been better that they never heard that knowledge because now they are responsible for what they heard. And by the way, any spiritual truth you hear, you'll be responsible for all eternity. Now, there's a truth here. The knowledge of the Lord does have the ability to bring an escape from the pollution of the world. Many of God's people feel useless and unfruitful because we're filthy, dirty from the pollution of the world. We, we don't want to be in the world. We love the Lord. But when we walk through, we fall. And we've done things we told God we would never do. We've done things we never thought we could do. We, we battle certain things. And it just seems like all that filth of the pollution of the world is on me. The good thing about that is once you've been truly saved, you can never be lost. The escape from that pollution of the world or the victorious Christian walk is the adding to your faith knowledge, which means I've been indwelt by the Spirit of God. He will never leave me. I have been, I, I'm controlled by the, I've, I've been sealed by the, by the Holy Spirit of God, which means I'm sealed for all eternity I can be filled with the Spirit of God. I can be controlled by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God can make it to where I know victory over my sin. And there is, as I add the knowledge of the Lord, and I add the knowledge of the Word of God, and I practice that, then spiritual growth begins to happen in my life. And I go from useless and unfruitful to useful and very fruitful. And there's power in the Word of God. Amen? So for those of us that add knowledge... Grace and peace is multiplied. I have direction for life and for godliness. And I have the ability through that knowledge to grow to where the pollutions of the world are not an attraction or an allure for me anymore. Because the world has nothing to offer me that is more beautiful than Jesus Christ. So my final statement. If you're going to add spiritual truth, you have to acknowledge it. You have to accept it, and you have to apply it. That's on you. That's on us. That's my responsibility. So this week, in every area of my life, I'm asking myself, what does the Bible, what does the Lord Jesus say about this and what I should do? Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, spiritual growth is not without us. We're to give all diligence to do our part. Our part is very easy. Have to want it. Acknowledge it, accept it, apply it. Believing it to be the Word of God, truth, trusting it, adding the knowledge of our Savior to the walking faith that we have. I could feel within my own soul reading the book of Proverbs the authority and the power of knowledge, not the world's knowledge, your knowledge. It's time for God's people to stop adding the world's knowledge. Start adding your knowledge. Heads bowed and eyes closed, please. A moment of invitation. Christian, are you in a situation right now that you need wisdom and knowledge? Add the Lord to it. Are you living a life that has added knowledge of the Lord? Is there a desire, a seeking of it, are you actively practicing it in every area of life every moment every situation God what do you want me to do I want to add your knowledge to my situation maybe you're here today and you're not a believer the knowledge you need to know is that God loves you and he died for you and he wants to save you from your sin if you'll open your heart and believe and trust upon him and receive him He'll be Lord to you. He'll create you new. Be the greatest decision you ever made. Pastor, I feel useless and unfruitful. Grow. Grow. Start by adding knowledge. Would you stand, please? Heavenly Father, have your way in our invitation now. Move in our hearts. Let God's people just be dominated with their responsibility to add this to our lives. The knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in his grace. Grace and peace will be multiplied. Life and godliness will develop. Freedom from the pollution of the world, the victorious Christian life. Oh, what a joy, what a delight. Have your way in our invitation now. Trust you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Our song of invitations, have thine own way, Lord. The altar is open. People are here to pray with you if you want help for prayer. Maybe you'd like to come and give your heart to Christ. We'd love to take a Bible, show you how to be saved. Let's sing verse number one. You come as God leads you. Have thine
1: own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Thou art the potter. I am the clay, mold me and make me after thy will, while I am waiting, yielded and still. Try me, Master, today, whiter than snow, Lord, wash me just now, as in Thy presence humbly I bow. Wounded and weary, help me, I pray. Power.
0: Thank you for loving the Word of God. Thank you for listening. How many, just for to help me for a moment? How many of you have found that as you've applied the knowledge of the Lord, all those things He promises been a reality in your life? Would you say Amen to that? Amen. Wouldn't want to have it any other way. Sarah has come forward today. She was waiting till the very last, and she did. She said, "Pastor, I want to be baptized." I said, "Have you been saved?" She said, "Yes." I said, then you need to come forward in one of our invitations. Let the church know that you've been saved. I will tell them that. And present yourself publicly for water baptism. She has done that with great courage. If you rejoice with her, say amen. amen. I'm excited for her to follow the Lord. I wonderful. I acknowledge that. <clears throat> The glory of God its worth singing about. Get a nap, get refreshed, get renewed. Come back for EOS 530. We're back in the book of Psalms on Wednesday. Next week, adding self-control to our lives. God bless you. To
1: God be the glory, great things He has done. So loved He the world that He gave us His Son. Who yielded this life and atonement for sin? And opened the life gate that all may go in. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give Him the glory, great things He has done. And God bless you all. You are dismissed.